Cool. So The Unseen. Yeah, The Unseen's my company. Um, it's called The Unseen because we technically visualise unseen stuff and it's what I'm interested in is using materials and science to visualise different worlds beyond the eyes, ears, nose, touch and places can see. Um, I'll play a little video that does a better job than me of explaining what we do. We believe in a world where pollution is made real when objects expose emissions. Where surfaces recolor at the flip of a switch. A world where you can visualize pain and anticipate illness. Or see the strength within your body. Not just for tomorrow, this world is now. Today, we are creating a more intelligent future, combining science and technology with design. Using color to communicate data. By developing color-changing materials, compounds and coatings. Responsive to multiple triggers. We offer applications tailored to you in your world. To see is to believe. What will you see? That's just like a quick snapshot of some of the stuff we've been up to the last two years. Um, it all started with um, this sort of innate want to see, I guess, unseen stuff in the atmosphere. We have this like mantra that we want to change the way the world uses colour to give data a voice. And really, you could just think of us as a data visualisation company, but we do it through um, objects and creativity because uh, I believe that it has much more of an impact than just giving somebody a book of facts and figures. So that kind of all started um, in my undergrad when I was studying material science and I created a compound that absorbs air pollution. So it changes colour to let you know how much air pollution you've absorbed each day and then refreshes itself in a lessly densely polluted atmosphere. Um, from yellow to black and vice versa. And all of a sudden I had this like mega, um, I don't know, like realization that literally if I tell you your carbon footprint and give you all the facts and the figures and the stats, yeah, you might listen, but you're not really gonna make a change. But if I physically put you in a jacket and put you behind a bus and your jacket changes color to show you that carbon emission directly in front of you, then you're more likely to, um, to think about it and change the way that you might, um, I don't know, move around on a daily basis. Um, Rather than carry on and do a PhD, I, I believe that design um, is an incredible um, necessity to science and technology and vice versa. Um, so I went to the Royal College of Art, which is cursed with Kirsty, and we also shared a studio together for a bit, which was fun. Um, but uh, I believe, yeah, um, I, I sort of wanted to create a brand that could um, 
could combine material science and combi combine design to make an impact in the world. So we launched um, our first collection, Air, which was a series of sculptures which responded to aerodynamic um, fluctuations around the, the body. Um, so on the side, we were consulting for Formula One to track aerodynamics around the car visually in the wind tunnel. So the way the Unseen works is we have 20% of the business, which is all creative and beautiful sculptures that talk about the technology. And behind the scenes, we work with lots of different industries from medical to automotive to fashion to cars um, to visualize data for them in new and kind of unique unique ways. Um, this jacket has the same formula in it that the Formula One car did um, and literally is a handcrafted leather black sculpture which as you move about your atmosphere will change its colour um, from black, red, green and blue depending on how much aerodynamic shift is around the body. Um, I can show you in a, a quick video and I'll talk over the video to tell you what's happening. So here you see it um, just literally change into a breeze. It's really um, quite subtle. There's not much um, turbulence at this point. It just really slowly shifts. And the kind of design and the uh, technology have to link together. So there's no point in putting an, an aerodynamic uh, compound on something that isn't going to that is that is flat or isn't going to sort of respond to aerodynamics. So we handcrafted each of these fins to really trip the atmosphere, trip the wind. So this is a slightly more uh, sculpted shell, so you can see it a little easier. So you see as it passes across the wind, you get a direct correlation of um, color change just where the wind is hitting it, um, and then. I guess the kind of control freak in me was like, that's really great, but it's, we can't control it. It just does its own thing. So I wanted to create a secondary sort of sister sculpture which um, and sister compound, which would respond not just to wind, but to atmospheric pressures. So things like UV and moisture and um, heat at the same time. So this was the first one we created, which responded um, seasonally. So it's, sorry, 20, over 24 hours. So it changed its colors over a 24 hour period. And then we built one that, um, changes seasonally, so it changes sort of uh, green in the spring, blue in the winter, red in the summer. And then we collaborated with Liberty London and did a drape line, which also did the same, like a curtain design line, which um, just changes colour to the seasons, whether it's sunny or hot or cold. Um, yeah, which was cool. I'll flick through maybe because we've got quite a lot to get through. Um, a part of this collection, this was our first collection that we launched and um, I launched it at London Fashion Week because I really think that fashion is a great um, area to talk about big world issues and also to trial new technologies. So it's traditionally quite fast paced compared to a technology model. Um, so if you can get a new compound or a new recipe through um, legislation and into a customer's hands, um, the quickest place you're going to be able to do that is in fashion. That means you're going to get a consumer who can interact with it quickly and learn from it and then adopt it and tailor it. Um, we look collaborated with Swarovski Gemstones um, for this piece and I think it's kind of I hope there's no one from Swarovski here but I always kind of slate them at this fit because whenever someone says Swarovski Gemstones like Kirsty did before everyone goes oh um, but but it's it, which I did the same but then they offered me a free trip to wherever Vicenza and I, not Vicenza uh, Innsbruck and I was like it's Christmas I'll go um but then I, we were walking around the facility and then they were like, oh, this is where we lab grow the gemstones. Let's move on. And I was like, what? Sorry, what? Like they, they really wanted to overlook the idea that actually they have the capability to synthetically modify natural gemstones and give them properties that nature doesn't have. Um, and they tried to do this in the 70s and everyone freaked out with genetic modification and all of this lot. But for me, as a young designer in the sort of science spa design space, I was like, if you have this ability to use technology in that way, why are you not doing it to create something that um, nature can't do? Why are you just doing it to create the perfect diamond or the perfect looking sapphire? 
here. Um, so I was like, if I'm going to work with you as a way to articulate how Swarovski could be a smart material and not just a fashion item, then that's the area I want to work in. So we created a headpiece with them um, out of a synthetically grown spinel stone. And the spinel stone was cloned 4,000 times, so it sits across the head and is essentially identical to each other. And then we created a little ceramic plate to sit inside it uh, and on top of it that would respond um, to, to temperature across the brain. Um, so we made it change colours temperature in 0.5 of a degree. And then because there's 4,000 that are essentially semiconductors and they're all, they're all identical, um, it changes its colour to let you know um, where it's active in the brain. So um, dependent on whether you're thinking left-sided, right-sided, your eyes are shut, your eyes are closed, you've been to the gym, you're happy, you're sad, you generate very small um, colour shifts. And we work with King's College Neuro Department to then correlate those um, heat shifts, uh, heat, heat, heat fluctuations across the head to colours and to where was active. And then the headpiece picks this up. So you get different colour patterns depending on where is active. It isn't an MRI scan. It's never going to be an MRI scan. That's not what it's about. It's all, all it's for is this sign of familiar medium for a patient, well, for me to communicate something that's going probably the most unseen part of me. So if you've got a broken arm, you might go to the doctors. If you've got a broken brain, you just ignore it. So this was a way to use colour as a communication surface to understand, yeah, I guess the most innate, unseen thing that humans have. Um, and it opened up all sorts of different... Um, opportunities for us in the medical um, world to start looking at visualising things like pain and how do you um, communicate pain levels. So for me, the scale of 1 to 10 doesn't work. So how can I use colour as a surface between um, people to communicate? Um, this was a piece that the UK government funded, which um, is the sort of cleverer cousin of the three that I've just shown you there. So everything I just... Um, presented today purely responds chemically. Um, it responds to the atmosphere and uh, doesn't have any electronics involved at all. Whereas this piece has a sort of membrane of printed electronics throughout it. And we collaborated with a company from London called Holition to um, use the electrical signals to flip the colour changes and then program those electrical signals to EEG, so to brain waves. So where the Swarovski piece tells you what's active in the brain, this piece will respond in colour change to your emotional patterns or your emotional level and we correlated that to your aura and did aura readings at fashion week and everyone got red um but basically it goes, yeah, it goes red if you're anxious, blue if you're um, chilled out, and these kind of white patterns if you're in sort of a sense of medi medication, uh, med not medication, meditative. Um, <laughs> I think you'd probably just flatline and stay black if you're on medication. But um, So yeah, so that was cool. And, and essentially what it is is a surface that can be controlled, uh, the colour of via digital data. So for this, yes, we wanted to use EEG because it was very unseen. Um, but since then, we've been working with lots of companies such as Bentley and um, other other areas to think about what the future of cars are. So particularly in autonomous driving. So how do you um, how does the interact the person on the street interact with a autonomously driven car? So looking at colour in that way, will the traffic light system apply as much then? Um, so it's it's been quite an interesting space. Um, we also launched our first collection in Selfridges a year ago. So this was a window that we did. Um, and a, a line. So we don't really have the desire to be a fashion brand. The unseen's never really been about that. It's about uh, materials and creating new things and, and showing people different that there is other stuff in the world other than what's in front of our eyes um, and, and communicating that. But 
as I said, I see fashion as this great platform to, to get ideas out and quickly talk about them. So what we did with the Selfridges money, so they bought our whole collection before it even existed, which um, was incredible, really. And, and um, we used all of that money, not necessarily to design the collection, but to bring all of our compounds up to manufacture standards. So previous to this, we just purely worked in the art world and the science world. Um, to go from that world to sitting next to McQueen and Chanel in Selfridges is a completely different ball game. Um, so we had to you, you had we spent a year basically refining everything, all the manufacture processes, so that we could um, put these compounds out into the real world um, and then have them feel like um, as luxury as, as those brands were. So this scarf was um, probably the worst, the most horrific recipe of the project. However, it sold out the quickest. Um, so. The scarf, it's a silk devoured scarf, and it had to feel like a silk devoured scarf because it was going next to McQueen. Um, but on the other side of that, we were working um, with the NHS on uh, bandages that respond uh, to chronic wounds. And um, all of the technology in this uh, was taken from that project. So the, the bandages have to um, change their colour to heat patinations across them to tell the, tell the wearer where, what's he, where it's healing and how. Um, but they felt awful. So we used the Selfridges standards to make the bandages feel as good as the silk but we used the the heat patinations from the chronic wounds to go into the designer accessory so although like places like the medical world and the fashion world can seem completely like different worlds they're actually not like they're inherently similar materials and they're all human centered so for me that's a really interesting section um, and it changes colour depending on where you put it around the body. This one changes colour seasonally and to the wind it does its own thing. You can't control it, so it literally goes crazy. The backpack's like... Um, we then started stocking globally, so we had this dilemma of do we do um, sort of specific recipes for specific countries or do we keep it all as um, one sort of bag? Um, for this one, we kept it as... Um, sort of uh, one one recipe so depending on where you take it you generate different colors and it's never the same within each each country um, whereas for this bag we kept it um, as city specific so it, it responds to spring winter and, and summer and um, it to the specific location that you're in so there's a London bag a Japan one and, and vice versa um, everything was manufactured at this point in the UK um, which was also pretty cool and the wrist straps they're on a 24-hour loop so they just change color the longer you wear them same as the wallet um, Another project we've been working on is, um, which we've been working on for like a year and a half, nearly two years, but it's finally coming to launch, um, which is a project around how do you get, um, how do you get people away from digital technology when they're um, training? So how do you, I guess, connect people back to um, to the to their bodies because um, you know the the fitness world at the moment is so digital and so like personal best and da 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 and we wanted to do something that was a little bit more organic in a way um, and the muscle sort of we wanted to look at muscle structures and fitness levels and try and correlate the two to create one set of um, garments that can come off one manufacture line but will be bespoke to every individual. Um, so we worked at, uh, we've been working at the University of Portsmouth to track thermal regulations of the bodies uh, specific to the brand we're working with. So they have a specific target consumer who has a different thermal profile to me, to you, to the other brand's consumers. Um, and the fitter you are, the quicker you can get into thermal balance. So this isn't the final product. I'm not allowed to show that. But we have created yeah, a set of running garments that dependent on... Um, 
your fitness level, the sort of game is the quicker you can get to yellow, um, the sort of Pantone reference yellow, the fitter you are. So if I get there in 10 minutes, um, I have to, the game is you get to yellow, the fitter you go, the, the quicker you get to yellow. Um, but what's great about them is even though it's one manufacturer process, everyone's thermal balance and thermal profile is unique to them. So although the color shifts are the same, you create your own pattern and your own bespoke color range, your own bespoke, um, yeah, like pattern across the garments. So it's because it's like that ultimate, I don't know, bespoke ability. Um, this is a project that we did for Virgin Galactic, um, which was great. We got to go out to Mojave and go on the spaceship, so that was fun. Um, and it was all about as if going to space isn't good, in, isn't like you know an experience in itself. They were like, how do we, um, how do we like give you know create give some give them something to take away when they've been to space basically? And um, amazingly, they gave us the astronaut patch. So for me, like space travel, like everyone remembers the, the NASA patch. So um, when they said to us, do you want to do the astronaut patch program? We were all like, yes, absolutely. Um, so we created them a patch that we, we first of all got to go and do what the astronaut does, aside from we didn't go to space, but we got to do everything that they, they do in their journey before they go to space. And um, uh, it's like a three-day training camp, and they go through all these different atmospheres. So they indoors, outdoors, in the Mojave Desert, in the simulators, um, until finally they go to space for six minutes only, by the way. So all that money for six minutes. Um, and we created them a patch that... Um, when it's off the body, is dormant, and then when it's on the body, it's engaged, so it responds to the Mojave Desert and the weather patterns on, on Earth. And then when you go to space, um, it calibrates to Virgin Galactic Blue and then remains Virgin Galactic Blue, and it will only go Virgin Galactic Blue if you go to space. So when they come back, they have this kind of like token of honor and it stays blue. And everyone's always like, but how do you do that? Because space, you haven't been to space. The, all of the data exists for every simulation possible of them going to space. So all we had to do was just track the red thread through the data and, and tailor some chemistry to fit to it. Um, so it was really great. This isn't the final one. This is actually the final astro the final guys driving the ship one, but not the consumers. The consumers all have um, laser-cut irises of photographs of their own irises. So the idea is that it opens when they put it on, and then it you know, changes and goes through its thing. This was a, a quick early one. So you see the blue in the middle is the kind of virgin blue that it stays. Um, Tom Ford, we just did a ballet with Tom Ford. So this all changes its color and reveals different dynamics of the ballerina on stage and um, shows the strength behind the ballerina. So although you see the dancer, it's, all, it's almost about seeing the movement of the dancer throughout the atmosphere and, and messages appear and disappear throughout the performance. Um, oh, this is uh, our hair project. So we launched this um, a couple of months ago at London Fashion Week purely as a fun project. So I've got quite long hair, and when I'm in the lab, it's constantly getting covered in colour change, and forever my hands on my hair changes colour. And um, I was watching The Craft, which is like a film from my teenage years, and um, she changes the colour of her hair in it. And I was just like, oh, we should do that. Like, if we can do that, we should do it. And it was Women's in Science Day um, around the time of Fashion Week. And um, I thought if there is anything that's going to get a young girl, because there's only 12.8% um, of women in, in science, technology, engineering, and maths in, in the world, which is insane. Um, the, 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 I thought the best platform to inspire young women um, to get into science would be something like hair, <laughs> because we've all got it, and it's a fashion accessory that everyone has, has become the tag. Um, so I collaborated with Days and Storm Models, and literally we just launched it. We spent £200 on the whole project, um, and overnight it got 36 million views and crashed our website and was trending number two on Twitter behind Donald Trump. <laughs> and then someone made a Donald Trump meme of his hair changing colour. So we were like, yes, made it. So this is the hair. 
But this, for me, was a great moment where I was really struggling with my brand. It's hard having a startup, and um, it's not always doesn't always go to plan. And um, it was that point where you just go back to your creative roots and just go, well, you know, what can I do? What what? And we didn't have any money. We, you know, it's, it's difficult. And uh, and then yeah, now it's sort of we've made a lot of money off it. So it's kind of it's funny to think how it all comes back around. And yeah. Um, on something, it's like we do all this life-changing stuff, like bandages and things that will change people's lives. Yet the world wants color-change hair. Um, so I, this is a project I've just launched. Um, so this is in collaboration with a brand called The Lost Explorer. Um, so I was really lucky enough to go and be a UN ambassador for Nature yesterday at the UN summit um, and go to the White House. That was fun. Um, but Trump wasn't there, so that was that was great. <laughs> but I did meet that Kelly lady, and she was weird. Um, but Kelly and somebody wrote though. It was horrible. So this um, is a project around, it's a fun project. It literally was just, again, a bit of a kitchen chemistry one. It was just like um, David, who runs The Lost Explorer, is a friend of mine. Um, and we were just like, what can we do? He has a, a line of t-shirts that are all natural dyed. So I was like, let's do a natural cabbage dye. And then let's um, create something that um, can visualize ocean acidification or visualize carbon emissions in the atmospheres. So this is the pH scale of our water. And can you see sort of, um, you know, what's best for fish is around sort of 7.5. But not too dissimilar, not too far from that, so sort of 6.5. Things really start to go wrong. And up to eight, you know, the coral reefs begin to die. And they are dying. And it's actually pretty horrific. And so we made these t-shirts and we were like yeah they'll, they'll be okay like let's make them let's just make them and see what happens and then um literally we started to wash them in water around us and the it was insane like so london is so close so water is so close to like where fish die it's it's in it, it was really shocking um how let me show let me play this next video really shocking how um quickly we could see the pH levels of the water that we're surrounded with every day and how bad, bad it is um, in something so easy as a t-shirt. So Trump had just pulled out of the Paris Agreement and, um, and this was just a, a great way to, I don't know, like encourage everyone. We're kind of saying it's like one t-shirt, it's one world, just make one and go and wear it. And every time you wash it, depending on where you wash it, it'll tell you what that water carbon emission level is. So if you're using fabric softeners, how bad is that? If you're using, so London's color is, you know, is 7.5 and then Iceland's is nine. And it's kind of like, I've been collecting these t-shirts as I've been traveling and washing them and I'm gonna go and do Stockholm's later. So I'll let you know. But yeah, it was just a fun, a fun project that actually, I'm calling it like the, the modern hypercolor. It's like the hypercolor is the 80s. Everyone, you know, the, uh, our gener that generation messed up. Like textiles is the second biggest polluter without going on a, a mission um, behind oil. Um, and then, yeah, so it's just, just about trying to raise awareness, something like that. So that, that's it, because I'm out of time. Um, but yeah, there's lots more if you go on our website, but that's just a kind of quick snapshot of the last two years. Three years, actually, maybe now, Kirsty. <laughs> yeah, there. Thanks.